section eight of english literature by william j long this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter four continued chaucer's contemporaries william langland thirteen thirty two question mark to question mark life very little is known of langland he was born probably near malvern in worcestershire the son of a poor freeman and in his early life lived in the fields as a shepherd later he went to london with his wife and children getting a hungry living as clerk in the church his real life meanwhile was that of a seer a prophet after isaiah's own heart if we may judge by the prophecy which soon found a voice in piers plowman in thirteen ninety nine after the success of his great work he was possibly writing another poem called richard the redless a protest against richard the second but we are not certain of the authorship of this poem which was left unfinished by the assassination of the king after thirteen ninety nine langland disappears utterly and the date of his death is unknown piers plowman the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord might well be written at the beginning of this remarkable poem truth sincerity a direct and practical appeal to conscience and a vision of right triumphant over wrong these are the elements of all prophecy and it was undoubtedly these elements in piers plowman that produced such an impression on the people of england for centuries literature had been busy in pleasing the upper classes chiefly but here at last was a great poem which appealed directly to the common people and its success was enormous the whole poem is traditionally attributed to langland but it is now known to be the work of several different writers it first appeared in thirteen sixty two as a poem of eighteen hundred lines and this may have been langland's work in the next thirty years during the desperate social conditions which led to tyler's rebellion it was repeatedly revised and enlarged by different hands till it reached its final form of about fifteen thousand lines the poem as we read it now is in two distinct parts the first containing the vision of peers the second a series of visions called the search for dowel dobet dobest do well better best the entire poem is in strongly accented alliterative lines something like beowulf and its immense popularity shows that the common people still cherish this easily memorized form of saxon poetry its tremendous appeal to justice and common honesty its clarion call to every man whether king priest noble or laborer to do his christian duty takes from it any trace of prejudice or bigotry with which such works usually abound its loyalty to the church while denouncing abuses that had crept into it in that period was one of the great influences which led to the reformation in england its two great principles the equality of men before god and the dignity of honest labor roused a whole nation of freemen altogether it is one of the world's great works partly because of its national influence partly because it is the very best picture we possess of the social life of the fourteenth century briefly piers plowman is an allegory of life in the first vision that of the field full of folk 
the poet lies down on the malvern hills on a may morning and a vision comes to him in sleep on the plain beneath him gather a multitude of folk a vast crowd expressing the varied life of the world all classes and conditions are there working men are toiling that others may seize all the first fruits of their labor and live high on the proceeds and the genius of the throng is lady bribery a powerfully drawn figure expressing the corrupt social life of the times the next visions are those of the seven deadly sins allegorical figures but powerful as those of pilgrim's progress making the allegories of the romant of the rose seem like shadows in comparison these all came to piers asking the way to truth but piers is ploughing his half-acre and refuses to leave his work and lead them he sets them all to honest toil as the best possible remedy for their vices and preaches the gospel of work as a preparation for salvation throughout the poem piers bears strong resemblance to john baptist preaching to the crowds in the wilderness the later visions are proclamations of the moral and spiritual life of man the poem grows dramatic in its intensity rising to its highest power in piers triumph over death and then the poet wakes from his vision with the sound of easter bells ringing in his ears here are a few lines to illustrate the style and language but the whole poem must be read if one is to understand its crude strength and prophetic spirit in a summer season one softer was the sonna a shop note clad may into a shrewd as e a shape were in habit as an hermit unholy of workus went weeder in this world wondrous to hera bought in a maius morning on malvern hulus may befell a fairly note wonder of fairy may thokter he was weary for wandered and went me to rest under a broad bunker be a bourne note brook cedar and as he lay and leaned and locked on the waters he slumbered in a sleeping hit sweared note sounded so muria john wycliffe thirteen twenty four question mark thirteen eighty four wycliffe as a man is by far the most powerful english figure of the fourteenth century the immense influence of his preaching in the native tongue and the power of his lollards to stir the souls of the common folk are too well known historically to need repetition though a university man and a profound scholar he sides with langland and his interests are with the people rather than with the privileged classes for whom chaucer writes his great work which earned him his title of father of english prose is the translation of the bible wycliffe himself translated the gospels and much more of the new testament the rest was finished by his followers especially by nicholas of hereford 
these translations were made from the latin vulgate not from the original greek and hebrew and the whole work was revised in thirteen eighty eight by john purvey a disciple of wycliffe it is impossible to overestimate the influence of this work both on our english prose and on the lives of the english people though wycliffe's works are now unread except by occasional scholars he still occupies a very high place in our literature his translation of the bible was slowly copied all over england and so fixed a national standard of english prose to replace the various dialects portions of this translation in the form of favorite passages from scripture were copied by thousands and for the first time in our history a standard of pure english was established in the homes of the common people as a suggestion of the language of that day we quote a few familiar sentences from the sermon on the mount as given in the later version of wycliffe's gospel and he opened his mouth and talked to him and sighed blessed ben poor man in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is herna note theirs blessed ben milde men for they schulen welde note rule the earth blessed ben they that mourn for they schulen be comforted blessed ben they that hungren and thristen riecht wisnesse note righteousness for they shullen be fulfilled blessed ben merciful men for they shullen get a mercy blessed ben they that ben of clena herta for they shullen say got blessed ben pesible men for they shullen be clepid note called goddess children blessed ben they that suffren persecution for richtfulness for the kingdom of heavenes is herne note theirs eft sonne ye han heard that it was said to elde men thou shalt not forswear but thou shalt yelde note yield then oathes to the lord would e say note say to you that ye swear not for anything but be your word e he e he nay nay and that that is more than this is of evil ye han heard that it was said thou shalt love the neighbor and hate the enemy but e say to you love ye your enemies do ye well to him note them that hateden note hate you and pray ye for him that pursuen note persecute and shoundren note slander you that ye be the sonus of your uh, father that is in heavenes that maketh his son to rise upon good and evil men and reigneth note reigns on just men and unjust therefore be ye parfit as your heavenly father is parfit john mandeville mandeville's travels about the year thirteen fifty six there appeared in england an extraordinary book called 
the voyage and travail of sir john maundeville written in excellent style in the midland dialect which was then becoming the literary language of england for years this interesting work and its unknown author were subjects of endless dispute but it is now fairly certain that this collection of travellers tales is simply a compilation from odoric marco polo and various other sources the original work was probably in french which was speedily translated into latin then into english and other languages and wherever it appeared it became extremely popular its marvellous stories of foreign lands being exactly suited to the credulous spirit of the age note in its english form the alleged mandeville describes the lands and customs he has seen and brings in all the wonders he has heard about many things he has seen himself he tells us and these are certainly true but others he has heard in his travels and of these the reader must judge for himself then he incidentally mentions a desert where he saw devils as thick as grasshoppers as for things that he has been told by devout travelers here are the dog-faced men the birds that carry off elephants and giants twenty-eight feet tall and dangerous women who have bright jewels in their heads instead of eyes and if they behold any man in wrath they slay him with a look as doth the basilisk here also are the folk of ethiopia who have only one leg but who hop about with extraordinary rapidity their one foot is so big that when they lie in the sun they raise it to shade their bodies in rainy weather it is as good as an umbrella at the close of this interesting book of travel which is a guide for pilgrims the author promises to all those who say a prayer for him a share in whatever heavenly grace he may himself obtain for all his holy pilgrimages End of note at the present time there are said to be three hundred copied manuscripts of mandeville in various languages more probably than any other work save the gospels in the prologue of the english version the author calls himself john maundeville and gives an outline of his wide travels during thirty years but the name is probably a blind the prologue more or less spurious and the real compiler is still to be discovered the modern reader may spend an hour or two very pleasantly in this old wonderland on its literary side the book is remarkable though a translation as being the first prose work in modern english having a distinctly literary style and flavor otherwise it is a most interesting commentary on the general culture and credulity of the fourteenth century summary of the age of chaucer the fourteenth century is remarkable historically for the decline of feudalism organized by the normans for the growth of the english national spirit during the wars with france for the prominence of the house of commons and for the growing power of the laboring classes who had heretofore been in a condition hardly above that of slavery 
the age produced five writers of note one of whom geoffrey chaucer is one of the greatest of english writers his poetry is remarkable for its variety its story interest and its wonderful melody chaucer's work and wycliffe's translation of the bible developed the midland dialect into the national language of england in our study we have noted one chaucer his life and work his early or french period in which he translated the romance of the rose and wrote many minor poems his middle or italian period of which the chief poems are troilus and cressida and the legend of good women his late or english period in which he worked at his masterpiece the famous canterbury tales two langland the poet and prophet of social reforms his chief work is piers plowman three wycliffe the religious reformer who first translated the gospels into english and by his translation fixed a common standard of english speech four mandeville the alleged traveller who represents the new english interest in distant lands following the development of foreign trade he is famous for mandeville's travels a book which romances about the wonders to be seen abroad the fifth writer of the age is gower who wrote in three languages french latin and english his chief english work is the confessio amantis a long poem containing one hundred and twelve tales of these only the knight florent and two or three others are interesting to a modern reader suggestive questions one what are the chief historical events of the fourteenth century what social movement is noticeable what writers reflect political and social conditions two tell briefly the story of chaucer's life what foreign influences are noticeable name a few poems illustrating his three periods of work what qualities have you noticed in his poetry why is he called our first national poet three give the plan of the canterbury tales for what is the prologue remarkable what light does it throw upon english life of the fourteenth century quote or read some passages that have impressed you which character do you like best are any of the characters like certain men and women whom you know what classes of society are introduced is chaucer's attitude sympathetic or merely critical for tell in your own words the tale you like best which tale seems truest to life as you know it mention any other poets who tell stories in verse five quote or read passages which show chaucer's keenness of observation his humor his kindness in judgment his delight in nature what side of human nature does he emphasize make a little comparison between chaucer and shakespeare having in mind one the characters described by both poets two their knowledge of human nature three the sources of their plots four the interest of their works six describe briefly piers plowman and its author why is the poem called the gospel of the poor what message does it contain for daily labor does it apply to any modern conditions note any resemblance in ideas between piers plowman and such modern works as carlyle's past and present kingsley's alton locke morris's dream of john ball etc seven for what is wycliffe remarkable in literature how did his work affect our language note resemblances and differences between wycliffe and the puritans eight what is mandeville's travels what light does it throw on the mental condition of the age what essential difference do you note between this book and gulliver's travels chronology fourteenth century history thirteen twenty seven 
edward the third thirteen thirty eight beginning of hundred years war with france thirteen forty seven capture of calais thirteen forty eight to thirteen forty nine black death thirteen seventy three winchester college first great public school thirteen seventy seven richard the second wycliffe and the lollards begin reformation in england thirteen eighty one peasant rebellion wat tyler thirteen ninety nine deposition of richard the second henry the fourth chosen by parliament literature thirteen forty question mark birth of chaucer thirteen fifty six mandeville's travels thirteen fifty nine chaucer in french war thirteen sixty to thirteen seventy chaucer's early or french period thirteen seventy to thirteen eighty five chaucer's middle or italian period thirteen sixty two to thirteen ninety five piers plowman thirteen eighty five to fourteen hundred canterbury tales thirteen eighty two first complete bible in english fourteen hundred death of chaucer in parentheses dante's divina commedia circa thirteen ten petrarch's sonnets and poems thirteen twenty five through thirteen seventy four boccaccio's tales circa thirteen fifty end of section eight end of chapter four